was nice. That's it. <laughs> a, a ringing endorsement. It was nice. I would say least least impactful to the public to most impactful to the public. If we're talking about most impactful to me, it's, it's, it's this one. I just think this song, top to bottom, so, so well done. That's my favorite song. That's the song. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're back with another way back when episode, and this time we're talking about 2013. Now, we didn't originally settle on this year, but then we realized that the year that we wanted to do, we needed to listen to way more cast recordings, and then... I feel like maybe inspired by Anne Juliet and Stark Sands, we were like, what about 2013? You're right, because 2013, 2013, well, we originally set it on 2011, and we might still do 2011. We'll do it eventually. We just need more time to listen yeah, to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Whereas looking at 2013, all four of these musicals, well, maybe mm-hmm. with one exception, we we knew pretty well. So we were, I feel like we're, we listened to all of them again, or I did. Yeah. Um, and we rewatched the Tony Awards from 2013. But we we have like takes on each of these musicals. Yeah. We won't say that the entirety of the 2013 Tony Awards is on YouTube. We won't say that. But um, I just feel like similar to 20, 2009, which was the first time we did a way back when, we like chose that year based on that opening number and then like went from there. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with Bigger yeah. and Neil Patrick Harris and Lin-Manuel and Miranda. Has... And Tom Kitt wrote it too, right? I feel like they both did it. I think I read this. I, no I think idea. in 2013 that they both, that they both um, wrote the opening number. And I said to you, I think we need to have Neil Patrick Harris host a Tony Awards again because yeah, this, he's I great. This was the last time he did it, if I, unless, I, unless I'm wrong. Because I think then James Corden started doing it right. a bunch. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Because Neil Patrick Harris was on How I Met Your Mother, which was on CBS at the time, and mm-hmm. that has ended since. And then James Corden got The Late Late Show, so then he started doing it also on CBS. Right. Um, so it's kind of like synergy, but now that James Corden's leaving, leaving. The Late Late Show... We're open he, up again. <laughs> I mean, he didn't do it the past couple years, but who's kind of the next go-to host, I would like to yeah. know. Who is, taking, who is like the new king of CBS is the real question. Yes. Who's going to replace James Corden? But then also have a tie to the theater because that's the other thing. Because both Neil and James are yeah. theater theater people. Um. So before we get into the Tonys, you had some questions for me, I believe. Okay, so the year is twenty thirteen, right? And yeah. so we're focusing on one award show, but there are other award shows that happen in the year. Yeah. So I would like to quiz you on what you think the best picture winner in the year two thousand and thirteen was. So this is the 85th annual Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. There were, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Best Picture nominees, including one musical mm-hmm. that did not win. So I would like... I, I think I know this because I was in school at the time, and I'm pretty sure I did a project in one of my like media courses on this movie, and I think it's Argo. Wow, wow, wow. It is Argo. Correct. Ding, ding, wow. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> was it Les Mis that year? Was it that was the musical? It was Les Mis that year. It was Les Mis that year. Wow. Okay, so now we're moving on to the 55th annual Grand I love Awards. Argo, by the way. Like, I love Argo. And I I've remember... I've never seen Argo. Wow, you should watch it. I remember because, like, 
in journalism school, like this was kind of an important movie sure. for like media, a media course that I was doing. So I remember writing an essay about it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I do like Ben Affleck as a director because I like Gone Baby Gone and I even like The Town. But I've never. This seen was a controversial year because he wasn't Didn't nominated. Get nominated for best director. Yeah. I know this was this was a year, and then it won best picture, and he got to do a speech, and then he's like, yeah. "Marriage is hard," and then they got divorced. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he was right. <laughs> it was hard. It was too hard. Um, okay, so now we're going to the Grammy Awards. I don't know if you're going to get this one, but I have. I don't even. I can't even like think of a song that came out in 2013, and I don't know why. Okay, I'm going to read you out the five. Um, album of the year nominations. Okay. And I let me know if I know any <laughs> if you know. Okay, so El Camino, The Black Keys. Okay. I know Some, who the Black Keys are, but right? <laughs> that's really it. Some nights fun. Some nights I stay. Yep. Yep. Um a band that has never made another album. Um Channel Orange <laughs> by Frank Ocean. No. I mean I know Bl- Frank Ocean, but yeah. no. Blunderbuss, Jack White. No. Wow, what a year <laughs> that is. <laughs> um, Babel, Mumford & Sons. Ooh, I feel... Was it Mumford & Sons? It was Mumford & Sons. That it just sounds right, but I would have yeah, never guessed that. <laughs> yeah, out of, out of nowhere, I don't think I would have guessed that. I don't think I would remember that they won Album of the Year. No. As much as I, I love Mumford like, & Sons. And we haven't really heard their names in a long time. Yeah, they kind of like go in and out of making music. I don't know. And then mm. people have, like, left the band. Right. But there's... I think Babel is a great album. So I, I don't... I can't be mad about it. But I think it's interesting to think about, like, what else was winning. Wow, so no women the, nominated that year. No. Never. Never a woman. <laughs> never Didn't a woman. Taylor Swift have an album that came out in 2013? No, but she did sing We Are Never Getting Back Together. That to- um, wow! I was gonna say that Tony Awards, that Grammy Awards. That was was that the one when she used the British accent? Yeah. Wow. I remember. See, I remember no, you know that. <laughs> Record of the year. We are never getting back together. Was nominated, but I don't think Red was out in the eligibility period. So Got just it. the single was out, but the yeah. whole album wasn't out. That's the, my the, that's my presumption. The British accent is vivid to me because I was invested in the Harry in, Taylor in relationship. Harry. Yeah. Um, yeah, album of the year, Red was nominated in the 56 for the next year. So she didn't have an album out at the time. Well, so good to know. So then yeah. that brings us to our best musical nominees for the year 2013. So in no particular order, um, we've got Bring It On, the musical, written by, or music and lyrics written by Lena L. Miranda, Amanda Green, and Tom Kitt. Mm-hmm. Then we've got A Christmas Story, the musical, um, music and lyrics written by Pasek and Paul. Yeah. Then we've got Matilda. This was their first. No, it wasn't their first, but well, it was, was very their Broadway early. debut. This was their Broadway yeah. debut. They had Dogfight um, in there s- yeah. around the same time slash earlier, but that never made it to Broadway. Um, so this was their Broadway debut, which is kind of a funny one when you think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we got Matilda, music and lyrics written by Tim Minchin. Mm-hmm. And finally, we've got Kinky Boots, uh, music and lyrics by Cindy Lauper. So this is an interesting year. One, because we just discussed there are a lot of children in this year Mm -hmm. um and i would say overall everything is like super different from each other and i feel like the two front runners were um kinky boots and matilda kind of like facing off against each other but we've talked about kinky boots like very briefly on this podcast because 
you know, Vanessa Sears, past guest of the podcast, was Nicola in the Toronto production of Kinky Boots in 2015. But mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever publicly said that that was the first show that you and I ever went to together. It's funny. So I have our playbill right here. The year was 2015. I think it was like fall 2015. Yeah. We met in 2013. There's a picture of us with the boots. You're wearing a hat. We have our yeah, like feet up. I'll insert it here. <laughs> um, it's like, it's a throwback. It, it's really a throwback. The looks, everything about it is really <laughs> yeah. a throwback. Um, they, do they do that at the Royal Alex anymore where they put like a not tree like, or a boot or whatever? Not like that. I, that no. one was big. And everyone, it was a, it was a photo op. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I actually do have two playbills here or they're not playbills because we're in Toronto, but two programs. So two of these best musical nominees, we actually were lucky enough to have Canadian productions of play here in Toronto. So Mm -hmm. not tours, but sit down long running Canadian cast Canadian productions. So Kinky Boots is one of them and Matilda is the other one. Um, and we saw both of these together actually. So this was... we're lucky enough to have had these amazing cast and amazing um, productions of them here to be able to talk about. And then the other two, I I wouldn't call them flops, but they don't, don't necessarily have the like longevity. No, I did see bring it on at Turvish on tour in 2012 or I guess 2013. I'm not, I don't, Oh no, it it was was all 2012. It was one month. It was in 2012. It was a pre Broadway tour. Yeah. Um, we'll save my thoughts on that for a second. But then the next one was A Christmas Story, which the only thing that I had like barely heard of this show, but I know, I think it was 2017, there was like a live NBC Fox, I'm not sure who it was, um, did like a live A Christmas Carol. I want to say, like, was Matthew Broderick the older kid? I feel like he was. I think you're right. And it was Maya Rudolph, I want to say. Was the mom. I never saw it, and I will never see it. No, yeah. Um, I think we tried to watch it in my house, and then we got about 10 minutes in, and my dad was like, we out. Yeah. So that's, um, that's that. Do we want to start here with A Christmas yeah. Story? Let's start with A Christmas Story. Let's, let's go from, let's not say worst to best, but from least impactful to most impactful. Yes. Let's okay. So um, A Christmas Story, as you said, Pasek and Paul. Um I listened to this cast recording for the first time yesterday, and um, what we said was that, to me, I was like, oh my god, there's a lot of Sondheim in here. Like, everything sounds like Sondheim. It was crazy to me. It felt very referential to previous musicals in general. I was hearing, like, even, not even just Sondheim, I was hearing, like, Pippin. Um, And this might have to do with the era that the musical takes place in, in the 80s. It's based on a movie from the 80s. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were trying to, like, let's say, reference these 70s and 80s musicals. But yeah, yeah, we were texting each other, okay, this song sounds like this from Company, or this song sounds like this from Pippin, or this song sounds like this. Like, everything had a musical theater reference. I think the one that you pointed out immediately was Sticky Situation sounded like Little Things We Do Together. And then... As I kept listening the song just like that, I was like, oh, this is Move On from Sunday in the Park with George. And then also A Christmas Story has a bit of like Sunday from Sunday in the Park with George. So it was just like, I and I understand too that we're also, they're also kind of like stuck within the box of this needs to sound holiday-esque. Yes. While also kind of original. So it's already like a little bit difficult. Um, the Tony performance that year was You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. And mm-hmm. 
the tap dancing children were amazing. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Um, the song when I listened to the cast recording that I knew for some reason was Ralphie to the Rescue. Why mm. did I know that? I, I feel know. like I might have heard that song before it's too. Like, I was like, but Ralphie to the Rescue. I knew it. I don't know why. Ralphie to the Rescue. Oh, Ralphie to the Rescue. Oh, one thing to do, time to turn to a blue. Now let her Unless it sounds like something else and that's what you were just like placing it. No, you know? it, I knew Ralphie to the rescue. Okay. I like knew it. <laughs> I I just knew it. Yeah. Um, but A Christmas Story was nominated for Best Book. It was nominated for Best Original Score and Best the third one here, Best Musical. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. So just those three. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I'm sh- actually it would be fun if like a Shaw Fest put this on or, you know, like... Yeah. Instead of like Madison a classic Square one, something Garden, new. you know when they MSG they do does like, like Elf or Elf, yeah, yeah. So they do could do like instead. a Christmas story, like a limited, you know, holiday run. I feel like it's one of those things that you know families are going to New York or wherever you live, go take your kids to go see a Christmas story for Christmas. Like there's that's just makes sense to me. Yeah, I, absolutely. It has the name recognition. That's actually something in common that all four of these musicals have. that are nominated for Best Musical, they're all based on movies, so all four of them have name recognition. Right. I'd say the least known movie is Kinky Boots, but still based on a movie. Yeah, not a musical movie, but yes. all of them are non-musical movies. Yeah. With some music, kind of, maybe. like, um, But all four are based on movies and have that kind of name recognition. Yeah, A Christmas Story, I have seen this movie. It's been a while, but I have seen this movie. And I think... You know, we've been talking about, we've been kind of paying attention slightly to the development process of the De- the Devil Wears Prada musical yeah. and been quite, I'm, I'm going to tie concerned. it, I promise. Uh, we've been quite concerned about the adaptation of that movie into a musical because those characters don't inherently sing. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I see or other people maybe see a reason for any of those characters to break out into song. Whereas A Christmas Story, I I think those characters do kind of sing. I think ad- adapting it into a musical does make sense. Was this the most successful musical? I think it is what it is. Like, it's fun. Yeah. It, there's nothing, uh, like, offensive about it. But no. I'm not, like, excited by it in any way. But I also don't think that they set out to be like, we're going to win all no. of the Tony Awards. Like, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. they knew it that. It was a commercial they know the prospect. Crowd. Totally. A commercial prospect because it's one of those things that only runs at Christmas time. It's you're not going to see a Christmas story in July. Yes. It's going to run from like November to January and then mm-hmm. maybe it'll come back next year, but it's not. That's the thing. In terms of like longevity, it actually does have a lot of longevity because it can come back year after year after mm-hmm. year, just like, I don't know, Holiday Inn and what was the other one we saw? White Christmas. Did we see, have we seen White Christmas? No, we didn't. What was Christmas Carol? A Christmas Carol, which I thought was the same thing. So it no, tells you how much not I know. a Christmas story. You know where this probably didn't recoup on Broadway, but you know where they're recouping their money? Licensing. Oh, for sure. Licensing. Regionally, they, you can do it at every city near you. Breaking this in. <laughs> yeah. And licensing. Because for sure. you run it on Broadway for one season, it says Broadway's a Christmas story, the musical, and every other school is putting this on. Yeah. Every regional theater is putting this on. And because it does have so many children, like, what a great show for kids to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so. it sounds, even though it's it's from 2013, it premiered on Broadway in 2012, it sounds classic. It's, mm-hmm. And that's probably why 
you know, they didn't do the super modern music, why it sounds so referential to these older musicals, because it already sounds like a classic, even when it was brand new. Yeah. So interesting that this was Passing in Paul's debut, because obviously right after that was Dear Evan Hansen and like smash hit there with, well, I mean, not so much now, but like cast recording wise hit, still a hit. So, Mm -hmm. um, and now they've been working and have so much work until the end of time. So yeah, what an interesting Broadway debut for them. Um, moving on to, again, this is, I mean, from like least favorite to most favorite, but I think you would argue that this might be your most favorite. Um, bringing on the least, musical. Least <laughs> impactful to the public to most impactful yeah. to the public. If we're talking about most impactful to me, it's, it's, it's this one. It's bringing on the musical. <laughs> of these, this is actually the most listened to cast recording of all four of these for me because it's great. Yeah. And I think we can trace that back to one man and one man only. And that is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Um, you hear him so clearly on this cast recording. Not his I text- voice, thank God. But no, you I know. hear him. <laughs> um, I texted you yesterday being like, I think I had unnecessary hate towards Bring It On. And you responded with, you did. And it's because I literally have not picked up this cast recording to listen to. I mean, I've listened to it like here and there with like you in the car. Mm-hmm. Like it, it comes on whenever you are in charge of the phone but I wouldn't seek it out because I didn't like this um production I and I think it's interesting to talk about again thinking of the movie I do think this movie sings because there are many I mean like cheer in general is very sing-songy and it's easy to place Mm -hmm. that into a musical setting so I do think it works this is also maybe one of the most interesting movie adaptations in that it's actually not a movie adaptation. No. It's in the world of Bring It On, but it's not a ad- direct adaptation of that first movie. Yes. It almost feels like, you know, Bring It On 2 is just another movie about cheerleaders and Bring It On 3 is another movie about cheerleaders. Like, the characters don't carry over. It's kind of just like Bring It On 7 yeah. on stage instead, you know? Yeah. I just think it was like, the book is the main issue with this show and sure. also... Which I I don't know the book at all. No. Which is probably Um, why I like it. Yeah. Like, the cast recording is great. The songs flow from, like, the next, the next, the next. It's really good. The cheer is really good on stage. But it's interesting when thinking about this show because my hate of projection started with Bring It On. And this was 10 years ago, basically. Um, I, like, don't remember all of the projections that were used, but the vivid one to me was that Taylor Latterman was, like, texting and it was projection and it was just bad and text messages make sense but I don't think like we had the technology obviously then that we do now to make it look great so it just looked really cheap um but yeah this cast we have like Taylor Louderman and Adrian Warren right at the top there Ariana DeBose is in it yeah there are Ryan Redman we love Ryan Redman (laughs) Um, like so many people, um, uh, who's in it? Kate Rockwell. Kate Rockwell. Kate Rockwell. Yeah. Um, I would also like to shout out, um, Jason Gote, who I never see you anymore, but I miss you. I want you to be in my theater. <laughs> I, he's I doing, I feel like he's doing something. He's doing a reading of something. I don't know what it is, but I saw his name pop up again recently. Is he in Between the Lines? He was in a version right of Between the Lines. I know. He Between the lines in, is really like a topic it's coming of, up. It's coming up. Um, he was in that. He was in the stage production of Freaky Friday, but didn't make it to the movie because he was a little right. Old. 
Um, he but, was just in the most recent like Gossip Girl reboot, right, right. playing a very scandalous character. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jason Gautier. And then also you have uh, Gregory Haney, who I believe is like the first trans character, La Cienica, um, which is pretty like revolutionary for Broadway, which is crazy that it took till 2013. Well, I mean, we'll get to Kinky Boots in a second, but like, look what was going, like Kinky Boots and the drag queens and all mm-hmm. of that. I feel like, I don't know, that's that show also, I feel like longevity, we'll get to Kinky Boots later, but mm-hmm. it is true that it took that long. And also I was reading um, something that this was like 32 Broadway debuts on this show. So They say it in bigger, they, they sing the right. line in bigger. Mm-hmm. So they were doing a lot of stuff, but I did read that Bring It On was a limited run always on Broadway, which I think is yeah. interesting. I think it yeah. was, I think their Broadway stop was a tour stop, literally. Well, it, interesting because West End had Bring It On in 2021 and it might still be running and they released a new cast recording last year. So they did? Yes. Do I need to listen? Should, I feel like you need to listen. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know this. I yeah. can't believe World's number one Bring It On stand and I didn't even know. Well, it's so interesting. I feel like the West End is kind of like delayed because also currently Bonnie and Clyde is playing in London and rumor has it that it's transferring to the West End. And that was also like a failed flop musical. So I don't know. Maybe there's like a market for this in London. I'm often very confused about what's going on on the West End. And that's not their fault. It's mine. But yeah, I I am often quite confused as to the, the runs and how it works. Remember we were talking about last year, like the Amelie that was there that was really successful? Mm-hmm. Like same thing. These like flops are like hits over there. Yeah. I think it maybe has to do with like uh, what constitutes a Broadway theater is so rigid, but in the West End, it's much more free flowing what, what it counts as a theater for a West End show. And they have all these different sizes and they're more into doing limited runs like they're yeah everything has to be a long-running show so they'll kind of be more experimental and I kind of love that philosophy there yeah but yeah I, I just don't know enough of what's going on in the West End and now I need to know, listen to a new Bring It On Cast recording <laughs> I okay mean, I was gonna say we didn't even talk about our favorite songs from A Christmas Story because I know we don't have any but I literally was just about to ask you what your favorite Bring It On song was but then also had the same thought of was we, there we actually I mean, don't have give, any Christmas Story give, songs one. One to shout out, other than, what was the one that you said? Ralphie's Ralphie something? to the Rescue. Ralphie, Ralphie to the Rescue. To the rescue. Um, I will shout rescue. out the title song, A Christmas Story. was nice um, <laughs> that's it <laughs> a, a ringing endorsement it was nice um i'm gonna look around i'm mm. well the one they did on the tonys was cute yeah what was that you'll shoot your eye out right you'll shoot your eye out yeah that was cute i guess i it, not, nothing stuck out sticky <laughs> situation sticky situation you just sit don't dare admit it if you're caught in my call you to jail Sure. Let's, 
consideration. Well, a sticky situation and a Christmas story are our two recommended. Yeah, from this I really, I really can't bring myself to have any passion. Now tell towards. us the ten that you love from Bring It On. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, so we've talked about this. Lana Miranda is the reason Bring It On is great. Tom Kitten, Amanda Green. Okay, so how how I think it kind of worked when they were writing it is that there's two kind of rival schools, or we start yes. off at one school and then we transfer to another school. So from what I understand is that the characters from the first school, um, like Campbell um, mm-hmm. and um, what's her name and Bridget, their music is written by Tom Kitt and Amanda Green. But then when they move over to the new school, the the soundtrack to Jackson, this new school, is very much Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it makes these two schools sound really different. And I think it it works so well to differentiate the kind of like mindsets and backgrounds of these characters. Can I just say having two composers work on a show for dueling schools is a brilliant idea. It's great. And that's why I think the cast recording feels so like mastered and amazing. Mm -hmm. And again, like I don't know what went wrong on stage, but to think about doing something like this now with two composers imagine these two going against each other again all these years later i would love to Mm. hear a lynn versus tom kit like all of these years later and i think they blend so well like i think you can tell who is who yeah but sometimes you're like ooh, this could this moment could be this could be both okay so my favorite song is it's all happening um and i think this is key um, Lin-Manuel Miranda with kind of like the layering of the different um, melodies and storylines bringing it all together and like and I think what he does so brilliantly in something like non-stop I think you can see the precursor to that here in It's All Happening Who's in? I'm in 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 We can leave behind the world we So here, like throughout the cast recording, there's a lot of Hamilton to me. I hear like Battle of Yorktown. I hear like a lot of stuff. Um, but I also think in It's All Happening, there's uh, In the Heights. What's the song? Um, it's like one, two, three, 96,000, 96,000. Yeah. Like it is 96,000 yes. basically. Um, yes, like he has such a distinct style. And I mean, a lot of musical theater composers do. Like the way we were saying, uh, A Christmas Story sounds a lot like Sondheim in places. Um, I actually think Pascal and Paul do like reference on time in other things as well, but like yeah. it's quite obvious in a Christmas story. Um, like Lynn's style is so distinct, and it's yeah. it's so much fun to hear. Um, I also love "Do Your Own Thing." That's that's great. very Hamilton. There's a yes. lot. Yes, something like Friday Night Jackson is like super super Lynn. You can hear him there. Um, at I, this is a very random, but like the ch- final cheer performance to cross the line. I love it. I hate but, that song. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it's so cheesy, that no, song. No, you hate I Got You. Oh, no, I hate I Got You. you the finale you. is and straight up bad. <laughs> and that's a correct opinion. It's really cheesy. It's yeah, really It's cheesy. really bad. Um, I Got You. It's just like, it's like Camp Rock to me. <laughs> it I Got You is really bad. Whereas Cross the Line is really just kind of like a dance remix um, yeah. to cheer to, and I'm into it. Um, and then this is, I believe, a Tom Kitt song, um, but it's like Enjoy the Trip, which mm-hmm. is um, Campbell kind of 
needing some help or not knowing how to get to or like being frustrated with the experience of leading this new cheer team yeah and I think like this to me is like Tom Kitt's most successful song on the cast recording right now everything seems so important but time rushes by at a clip and when you look back these high school years will be nothing more than a Well enjoy the trip. See, I love one perfect moment. Also, I, that like, that is the one for me. Living that one moment, I know that if I can just stick the landing, then I'll know that somehow my life will be fine. And I, I mean. Like she, Taylor Latterman sounds so good on this cast recording as a whole. Whenever she mm. gets these like Campbell standout moments, um, we did watch the Tony performance right before we recorded this. I don't love the Tony performance, which I think is again like a saying of the translation doesn't quite work on stage. They sound phenomenal, but it's mm-hmm. just like not there for me. Yeah, I think, so this is, it was actually nominated for two Tony Awards only, um, mm. Best Musical and Best Choreography for Andy Blankenbuehler, um, Lynn's, like, frequent collaborator. Wow, no and score? No. Wow. No, no, it's just those two. It's just those two. Um, it got, it got best, it got outstanding lyrics mm. at the drama desks, but not um, score. Well, just looking at the best original score, um, Amanda Green was nominated for Hands on a Hard Body. I have no idea what that show is. No idea. I feel like Kiala Settle was in it. She she was in it. I remember watching the... her wave to the camera for her nomination yeah, but I right. have no idea what no. that show is. Okay so I believe Hands on a Hard Body okay like don't quote me but I believe it's about like a, a competition to win a car and how you win it is by you put your hand on the car and the last person to have their hand still touching the car after like days and days and days wins it. There better have been a car on stage or what would be the point of this show? I believe there was a vehicle. <laughs> I believe there was that a vehicle. That sounds... Bad. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, it has made no impact, seeing as we don't really talk about it. But that is, I believe, what it's about. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. I think one the cast recording is super super mastered really well, mm-hmm. and I think that's like again another thing I'm gonna credit to Lin Manuel Miranda. Um. And I think yeah, the translation to what was actually happening on stage at the same time didn't necessarily work it looked very busy like the whole show felt so busy that was mm, the problem so so busy very unfocused and then like i love adding in cheer aspects but sometimes when you're like throwing someone up in the air i'm not paying attention to anything else except for that girl that's in the air so it's like kind of distracting let's bring it on i understand but like in in moments when they weren't at a cheer competition it was happening and it was like (laughs) why is this we're just like always just like helicoptering someone in the (laughs) air yeah, okay. exactly. Amazing. Um, okay, moving on to our next show. I think we're on the same track here of mm-hmm. um, Matilda the Musical. Now, I saw the show on Broadway, and I obviously also saw it um, with you. Mm-hmm. Shar was there too, but who else was there? We, there was four Alexander. people there. Oh, Alexander's there. Mm-hmm. There's a, I, oh, yeah, there's a picture of us in the Matilda pose yeah. somewhere. 
Um, Maybe we'll find it. Maybe we will. Maybe. Yeah. Um, But the Toronto production starred um, faves of the podcast, Hannah Levinson and Dan Shamaroy. Paula Brancati also. Oh, yeah. From Degrassi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anyone in the family, like the parents were of name. No, I'm looking Darcy Stewart and Brandon McGibbon. Well, also there were three Matildas, but we just happened to see Hannah Levinson. And who I'm so happy we did because yeah, because then we saw her in Fun Home and she's wonderful. And she was, a, but she was a star in Matilda too. And Absolutely. I think what this show is best known for is that set and the almost like Scrabble letters around the set, and also some like cool stage tricks. There's some really fun stage tricks in Matilda with the chalkboard. Um, didn't you do Matilda? Yes, I did. So Tara and I worked at a summer camp and then I worked there a summer after when Tara had already graduated. Um, <laughs> and we put on Matilda with the kids. And this was actually a really, really great show to put on with the kids. Yeah. Because, you know, even if the kids sound bad, they sound good singing these songs because them screaming still sounds good, mm-hmm. you know? And it's interesting because I feel like after watching this movie a million times as a kid, mm-hmm. I would have never thought to put this on stage and now we're getting the netflix adaptation of Mm. the musical too so it's all good i think so i think kind of an interesting thing about this is that there is such a well-known movie and it says adapted from the movie but the movie and the musical are actually both adapted from the original roald dahl Book. book so when you see the musical there's a lot of things in the movie that people are expecting to see that you're not gonna get um which I think like maybe threw some people off. Like I know I talked to someone um, when it was playing here in Toronto and I was like, oh my God, I loved it. What did you think? And they were kind of missing a lot of the like iconic things from the movie, like the the wagon with all the books in it. They were Mm -hmm. like, where's her wagon? And I was like, okay. And also like the family is such a caricature of the Mm -hmm. family from the movie and you're expecting like a Danny DeVito performance and you're just not getting it. (laughs) Well, it's funny because in the movie, right? Danny DeVito's tiny and then Gabriel Ebert played it on Broadway and he's a giant. He's like tall and long. Green hair and like a green suit. I actually think... Um, interesting again. Can't believe I'm referencing this show for like the third time. The in Heart so- of Robin Hood. <laughs> no, not the Heart of Robin Hood, but like um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory kind of mm. tried to do similar things. Again, another roll doll, right. but the style of the costumes was very right. similar in these like, two kind shows. Of exaggerated. Yes, one obviously much better than the right. other. <laughs> yeah, I think Matilda worked really well. I think Tim Minchin is so successful in these songs that feel like very like like not quirky but like like just like weird like they're pulled weird. in a weird direction there's like dark elements to all of them kind of like fantastical i mean matilda mm-hmm. has such an amazing imagination at mm-hmm. like the character so you're kind of like in her brain a lot of this show which is so great and mm-hmm. i think specifically specifically about those scenes like at the library with the projections and the teacher and her like telling the stories um the underscoring of that is all kind of like fantastical i don't know it's like oh. really really cool stuff all the stuff with the escapologist yes i love i love yeah. on stage and and it's like there's some shadow play cast- done there too which is really mm-hmm. good yeah it's really cool and when like she's telling the story and doing these movements and then they like characters playing the escapologist like doing the same movements and mirroring her i think it like works so so well do we have some favorite songs from matilda i mean revolting children 
is one of the greatest children's musical numbers maybe ever created. Honestly, I really think Mm -hmm. when you hear... Actually, something interesting, which we were talking about last episode with Anne Juliet, was the no British accents. But on Broadway, they did have the British accents um, for this show, which... I don't know that they needed them. And I swear they had them in Toronto, too. I feel like it was yeah, just like so. Matilda is an accent show. Yeah, it's like an adaptation of this like iconic British children's book. And they kept yeah. the accent. I think these songs would sound weird sung without a British accent. Yes, and I specifically thinking of Revolting Children. and some when the, the rhymes. Kids, the, the rhymes rely on the British accent. And, some, and in this song specifically, some of the kids are not singing. They're kind of just like screaming lines mm-hmm. and they're screaming them with the accents. I just think this song, top to bottom, so, so well done. Any kid that plays Bruce kills it. They are so good. And like what an amazing moment for your cast of children to shine. So because we put this on, so this camp it had seven to 12 year olds, basically. So kind of perfect age to put on Matilda. Yeah. And as the dance teacher, choreographer, extraordinaire of the show, <laughs> you know, you're always trying to think of like fun ways for the, because they had to do two and on top of songs and all these things. So Revolting Children was a number one favorite of the cat of the group of kids who got to dance to this song. And I remember them being so excited because we were like punching things and like they were like standing on chairs. And yeah, it's so at fun. The end, it was like, it was fantastic. And at the end we had these like paper on the ground for them to pick up and, I remember. and throw at the audience and they were yeah. like, they were so excited to do it because we never yeah. practiced with the paper because I didn't want them throwing paper at me <laughs> <laughs> but so we had so like going back to the beginning there was um school song which I think is such a cleverly written song because it, it's like kind of a poem that spells out the alphabet and so we had these like alphabet signs that the kids held up to show the audience so they could mm-hmm. follow along the alphabet. So the paper was left there on the stage in preparation for revolting children to come back to at the end for them to pick it up and throw it at the audience. That's and so they fun. were like thrilled by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Revolting children was everyone's favorite, favorite song in the show. I mean, and then again, another watch that Tony performance because there's three songs in it and they do such a great job at selling that show. Like you want to see Matilda after you watch this Tony performance. Um, When I Grow Up is so lovely. That song is like such a beautiful song. My favorite moment in that show is when the swings come out and they all are swinging and the scooters. It's just like, it's so nice. And then my other favorite song, I feel like Naughty is like one that everyone listens to. but I love Naughty. Quiet. Matilda's song Quiet is such a great solo song for this young girl to sing and there's kind of like the dark underscore to it with like the bright vocals I don't know I think it's like he Tim mentioned did such a great job on this Mm -hmm. cast recording and it really this is this is one that really translates on stage as well Mm -hmm. and the heat and the shouting and my heart is pounding and my eyes are burning and suddenly everything everything is Like silence, but not really. 
it feels like his style of writing feels so roll doll. Like it's a perfect fit. Yeah. It's a perfect match. Um, I also love When I Grow Up. It doesn't really move the plot forward in any way. It's fine. But it, no, but like it's so important, I think, in the show because it like is the every I think everything comes out from that song. Like I feel like it was probably written very early in the process of the show and kind of the style and the movement all like developed from um, When I Grow Up. probably the best song in the show um my other favorite song is my house written by or sung by miss honey and the escapologist it's like so beautiful and they have these kind of like two melodies being overlapped by the end that i think just sounds absolutely beautiful this is my naughty like it goes without saying how good naughty is oh it's so good and i also think back to when i saw this on broadway i saw it with my brothers we saw millie shapiro as um Amazing. matilda who has gone on to do like horror movies i think she was like the star <laughs> of hereditary that like horror isn't movie. she in a quiet place isn't that her i don't know that's not is her, it her? no i, I don't lied. think it's her it's not but she's then, not in a quiet place wasn't there someone who was the other girl una right was yeah. she was in like that jake gyllenhaal movie was i don't she? know I don't know. The the Matildas have, have grown up to, stars. Stars. to be stars. Um, I, I remember um, Gabriel Ebert's like acceptance speech when he won for Best Featured Actor, and he named all four Matildas. He's like, my Matildas. And he was like, Sophia, Una, Bailey, Billy. Like, yeah. I was like, oh. Well, so Matilda had 12 Tony nominations um, that year. And mm-hmm. um, the Matildas, the four of them got a special Tony Award, which is correct. Like, there was no way to choose one person to represent yeah. for that show. Um, yeah, they got a special Tony Award as opposed to the Billy Elliots who were nominated um, in the actual category as a group. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I agree that that is the right move, especially for a children's performance. And I swear when I saw I mean, even Hannah Levinson, like, I want to say she was like eight or nine, like a child, very, very no, young. These were kids. And she was, I remember her being so intense. Yeah, she you was know, so like, good. Her performance was, she just was so focused. Yeah. Um, how, this, this was 2016. What's, six years ago? How old is Hannah Levinson? I, I want to say she's like 13 now. It says 2007 she was born. So 2016, yeah, she would have been like nine years old. Yeah, she and she That's was crazy. small then. Yeah, she was really little. Because then we um, saw her a few years later in Fun Home and she had a little bit of a growth spurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, 2007, what is that, 15 now? Crazy. Oh my God, Absolutely she's crazy. 50. I feel so old <laughs> when I say that. Um, but I remember my parents also had seen Matilda and I remember my dad specifically saying like that little girl that plays Matilda like she's a star and Mm -hmm. she is like I think that's such a great if you get the chance to play Matilda like what an amazing opportunity this show started on the West End right it was a transfer from the West End yeah it is a West End transfer it's funny um, it's still there I think I don't think so or it was like kind of recently because I remember seeing them perform somewhere 
Let me see. Matilda West End. Um, oh, it's 2011 to present. Dang. Yeah, it's still going. Dang. Good for them. Good for Matilda. Yeah. So. Wow. That is crazy, actually. Um, it's like a long running show in the West End. Yeah, because it is so British and it's based on this like really iconic British property. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then let's transition to another show that is also very British, but originated in Broadway as opposed to um, the West End and then eventually transferred. Yes. Kink- Kinky Boots, um, our fourth and final show nominated for Best Musical and also our winner of Best yes. New Musical that year. Um, do you agree? I mean, before we get into Kinky Boots, do you agree Kinky Boots over Matilda? I mean, A Christmas Story, not even a question. No, uh, no, bring no, it on, it, not even a question. No, so it was between two. those two. Um, as someone that has has seen Kinky Boots four times on stage, as someone that listens to that cast recording religiously, I agree that it is okay. the best new musical. What do you think? Interesting. I, I have a hard time deciding. I don't know. I think I love Kinky Boots, but I think Matilda has like like such a strong identity mm-hmm. um and i think that just comes down to like the music and what tim Minchin wrote and the staging of it that i might give the edge to matilda but like i i'm not mad about kinky boots winning no i think the story is so great kinky boots again like sitting in that theater i will never forget we were sitting like decently close and when they start um when they say ladies, gentlemen, and those who have yet to decide, Lola said it straight to Steph. And it yeah. was like the most iconic the moment. <laughs> um, I just, there is, there is so much going for that show. It's so interesting to think about like this season on Broadway versus like that 2013, because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a book by Harvey Firestein. And as we know, his adapted book of Funny Girl this season. Unsuccessful. Not successful at all. So I think he did... Well, again, I think the source material is really good and there's a lot to mm-hmm. work with there. Yeah. Um, this is actually a movie I've never seen. Me either, but it stars... Is it Idris Elba? No, it's not Idris Elba. It's what's his it, name? Tutel Ejiofor. Yes. Yeah. Um, and who's Charlie? He's also... Joel Edgerton? Oh, that sounds right. I think it is Joel, yes. Joel Edgerton. Um, it, it, it does play like... On planes, so I've seen it really? there. Yeah, because I've I've seen it and I've never chosen it. But um, maybe so next yeah. time I want a plane, I'll watch it. Watch Kinky Woods. Yeah, Kinky Woods. just um, you know, for for background. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I've seen this show on stage four times. I also were you at the? Th- did I see this with you in the movie theater? Did I, I think I went with my mom. I don't the think London I saw it in the movie theater. I think I was on vacation. They filmed the London production of Kinky Boots and they played it um, in movie theaters. It is available on Broadway HD. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I just think like this Cyndi Lauper score is so good. We always on road trips decide on full cast recordings we're going to listen to and Kinky Boots is like always on the roster. It's never not there. So... That just like credit to Cindy Lauper. No skips. That's not true. But beginning to end, no skips. <laughs> I want to say because I was watching the Tonys and I watched this specific um, award of best original score that went to mm-hmm. Cindy Lauper and it was presented iconically by Jesse Tyler Ferguson and Jane Krakowski. And iconic. as they were going through it, 
um, they're like saying all the people. You could see Cindy Lauper was like really nervous because obviously she's like a newcomer to this community. Um, she wanted it. She wanted it back. She wanted it. And and Jesse Tyler Ferguson, without saying that Cindy Lauper won, just said, "Girl, you're gonna have fun tonight." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is legendary." Is legendary. Yeah, I I mean, where's Cindy Lauper's next musical? Is my question. Because this one was I, so good. I think it was really good, like match of composer mm-hmm. to storyline. And I think like I like we said, you you hear Lynn in, in Bring It On. I think you hear her in this. Like, you know, she writes fantastic pop music, and this is great pop music that made a musical. Do you remember um, for the years that, or the year that Kinky Boots was in Toronto, that um, the radio ads, we love a radio ad in Toronto. <laughs> the Toronto like, radio ads are actually crazy. <laughs> it was like, uh, Toronto loves Kinky Boots. And then it was like, just be, I like vivid. <laughs> you You're absolutely like, right. Wow. Like, I feel like we need to, maybe we should do a full episode on the Toronto radio ads. For, <laughs> well, Kinky Boots was like where it really, they were really pushing it. And then Dear Evan Hansen, they were really. Really oh. pushing. They would play like full on waving through a window, like the whole song on the radio. I know. And then obviously we talked about it uh, last episode, but like the Anne Juliet ads are out of control right now too. <laughs> I was it. Were you in the conversation, or was I talking to my friend? He was saying, um, you know, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child licensing, like Mervish licensing the John Williams music from the movie for the ads. Oh no! Yeah. And then it not being in the in the play. They're just like, like oh, they did. I haven't even realized do, that do, 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 on the radio, and then you just like show up, and it's like, hide and seek. It's just completely different. Yeah. yeah. No, we used to false advertising. Um, when after I had seen Kinky Boots with my mom, and then I went with my dad, and then I went with you, and then I went with my mom and Corey, and to this day, Corey's like, Toronto loves Kinky Boots. <laughs> Like, it's just ingrained because we literally heard it every day for, like, a year straight. Mervish loves a radio ad. We love a radio I, Who ad. are they targeting is my number one question. Who are they targeting? Well, clearly I was listening to it. So, and you know what? I went back and bought more tickets. So I <laughs> You kept going, Toronto I think did I love am, Kinky Boots. <laughs> I think I am the target audience. Um, wow. But also why this is relatable is obviously, again, our last episode with Anne Juliet, we talked about Stark Sands and seeing... We had never seen him on stage, but Mm -hmm. I'm very, very, very familiar with his soul of a man. Mm -hmm. And I just think what a match for Stark in this role. He is, I don't, again, we don't know what he's like as a person, but I feel like Charlie is kind of like a great role for him because you get to Mm -hmm. like be this guy, but also have these like really amazing belter of songs. And then to contrast that, Tony Ward winning performance from Billy Porter as Lola Mm-hmm. Who else could you cast in no, this? He's for, perfect he's for Broadway. So yeah, because he ha- his voice is just the greatest. Mm-hmm. It's so like resonant, um, and yeah, he's a star in this. And it's also fun because the the a number of people who take because it ran for a pretty long time on Broadway, the number of people who took on the role of both um, Charlie and of Lola, you know, Brendan Urie. Yeah, it was able to be stunt cast a bit. And yeah. uh, David Cook. D- David Cook. <laughs> David Cook. Um, Wayne Brady. At the time of uh, episode recording, the Hollywood Bowl is putting on a production of Kinky Boots, like, currently. But it will be done by the time this episode is released. Do you remember Tiki Barber as Dawn? <laughs> of course I do. How could I forget that? <laughs> How could we ever forget that stunt cast, Tiki Barber? As John, that was wild. I know that was funny. That was when they were, they were jumping the shark. They were trying anything. 
Kinky Boots. Yeah, well, it's so funny because, um, again, for years, because Kinky Boots was on Broadway for so long, it was at the Al Hirschfeld. And I remember from, like, wherever hotel I was staying, whenever I would go Mm -hmm. to New York, you would see, like... It's from the, the row. Ne- the neon the sign. Yeah. yeah. You could see it from everywhere. And then, like, only in the last few years, obviously, Moulin Rouge um, yeah. is now Was there anything the in between? I don't know. I want to say no, because how long was Kinky Boots running? Like, six years or so? Let's, let's find out. Yeah, I think, like, six or seven years. Something like that. So, the Al Hirschfeld, um, Kinky Boots opened on Broadway in 2013, and Moulin Rouge opened in 2019, nothing in between. Wow. So, yeah. and what a great run. I feel like that show could come back at any time and have another successful isn't run. It, no, oh, it is it doing something. Broadway. It's going off-Broadway. Yes. That's the place for it. That's the place. That's wow. The place that, like, uh, because, like, the drag show elements would also mm-hmm. work so well in an off-Broadway house. I like it's going to get really rowdy. And I, uh, great. I want to be move. there for that. Like, I that's, that's so fun. I, I also think... Um, it was so nice in the in the Tony speech, although he was cut off slightly. But like Billy Porter thanking his glam squad because like that makeup that he has to get in and out mm. of during the duration yeah. of the show is wild. What the makeup artist and hair um, yeah. department is doing, and then not only for him, but like the queens that are in the show as well. So much drag makeup mm. is happening. The costumes are amazing. Like everything, also choreographed, directed by Jerry Mitchell. Like it's all amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, who did the costumes for this? I don't think they won. I don't think so, but I think... I oh, you know, know who won? We shall not speak his name, but William Ivy Long for William Cinderella. For Cinderella, you're right, you're right. But those um, are a, Greg a beautiful Barnes. gown. Greg Barnes did the costume design for um, uh, Kinky Boots, and he won a Tony for Drowsy Chaperone and Follies. Oh, okay. Um, his last uh, major Broadway credit is uh, Mean Girls, actually. Also in this cast, we have uh, Annalie Ashford playing Lauren. That's my favorite song. I know. That's the song. (laughs) She's so funny. The accent she's doing is so funny. I think she plays insane girl so well. (laughs) She's just with the shoes. She plays crazy. Amazing. She's so good. uh, This is another like. Match made in heaven for mm-hmm. for that like person yeah. to character like it's so perfect even in that Tony performance which like again we'll I think we'll get to like our favorite songs in a minute but um yeah. in that Tony performance she's like not doing much she was nominated for yes. uh, her role but probably even, for that song even for... the little bit that she's doing in this performance you're like okay Annalie like I'm watching you because you're having a great time yeah she she just like. One, I think she's a star in general. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry her sitcom Plan B was canceled, so I never watched it. This year. Um, canceled this, this year. year. Okay, let's like, have a side tangent. The show Plan B, the first season was about her <laughs> donating like her liver to a stranger she met. And then after season one, where that plotline was resolved, um, it became about running an old folks home. Did you know this? Um, You t- you told me this. I, did I tell you? Did but I, I also you? think I it's interesting everyone. that like... The liver resolved happened in what, like ten episodes? That seems kind of short. I think it was a, I think it was a um, network sitcom. Oh, so like twenty two episodes. Okay, so which, maybe kind of long. <laughs> which girl? I actually think you're probably it's for the best. You got canceled, but who's because who's doing twenty two episodes a season anymore? No, that's rough. That's a lot. Yeah, but what a what a change of plot. <laughs> 
not even a multi-cam. There's a multi-cam too, girl. Wow. Um, okay, favorite songs from Kinky Boots. Obviously, okay. History of Wrong Guys. History of Wrong Guys. Then I'm going to say, hmm, this is so difficult because they're so good. Okay, this is like my controversial fave. Take what you got, Harry, Charlie. Uh, Okay, am I making this up? Did I have a dream about this? But when we were at Ellen's Stardust Diner, were there not two waiters singing this at like midnight? I think they sang like Not My Father's Son, but like a remix of it. Maybe. I also love Not My Father's I don't think Son. it was Take What You Got, but it was a Kinky Boots song, and it was an arrangement like that one of them had done. Yeah, it was like past midnight. They were like, we, get out. We were out, shocked. Leave. When this, yeah, but when they started singing Kinky Boots, we were like, okay, we're yeah. singing. Yeah, and not, and not, you know, everybody said, yeah, but like a deep Kinky Boots cut. It was a deep cut, yeah. yeah. It was a deep cut. Um, uh, but I yes. agree. Take, Take What You Got. You got. I think it's nice. Um, Corey loves Take What You Got. We always like talk about the friend Harry, just like, you the friend Hannah. Hannah. Take what? It's so good. Two, three, you've got to take what what you got. Even when your life is in nuts, you take aim, take your shot. Sometimes you got to rewrite the plot. You've got to take what you got. You've got to take what you got. Um, I will say i love obviously soul of a man is like up there with mm-hmm. like he's top great. 10 as opposed but to the skip hold me in your heart I am, sorry I, to lola. so sorry to lola but yeah we decided this on our like we didn't put kinky boots on our skippable songs episode but we did talk about it off the mic after that hold me in your heart is the one skip. to skip. The skip um but i love step one which is like the precursor mm-hmm. to soul of a man we may be facing the impossible Yes, he makes the ugly boots, but it's the the through line of the like my destiny, the way that mm-hmm. he sings that in like three songs. The first time it's like, eh, falls off of it. Second one he's got like a little more power, and then the third one for Soul of a Man is just like everything that I want. And then obviously, um the did we have this on our Act One finales episode? I'm not sure if we talked about everybody say yeah. But that's kind of crazy that we didn't. Yeah, Maybe even, we did. you know, it's fun on the cast recording, but then the staging of it oh is really, really God. fun with the treadmills. A moving treadmill, like, what more could you want? They're, they're working hard. Hustling. They're walking. They're doing, you know, yeah. they're doing a lot. They're moving them around. They're turning them on. They're turning them off. They're moving the, the barriers. No, it's true. And then the finale is, like, what a blast. Just be, Just be slash, what's the slash? Raise you up. Raise you up. Yeah. Um, also like the fashion show like the little fashion show like there, everything about this show like top to bottom it's such an amazing it's, show it's just a good time it's just a really good time 
Also, um, Alina Hall is in the original cast. She, it's, it's in Just Be when she does her, like, accept Accept yourself. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, oh, hello, Alina Hall. Thank you for showing up. Nicola, Nicola. who, like, doesn't really get to belt. And she gets this one line and she's like, I'm going to do everything I can in this one line. And she gave us everything, um, in that one. I even love the opening number. I think the opening number is really Mm. good. It's just like. beautiful thing in the world. It's just lovely. It's such a, it's such a good show. I texted you yesterday after watching the Tony performance, I was like, wow, could go see Kinky Boots again right now. And like, would happily pay for it. Absolutely. And now since it's going to be playing off-Broadway. Yeah, when is that happening? Do we need to like, think about this? (laughs) Yeah, like. I think it's soon. I think it's too soon for for me to get there, but. Okay. Performances begin July 26th. Okay, so. Stage 42, but I. Oh my God, that's like the day after you leave. It literally is, like a few days after I leave. But. (laughs) It's selling till like February. <gasps> okay, so, so if we go we'll in the go. fall slash winter, um, we'll maybe we should go see Kinky Boots Half Broadway. This like pipe dream of a New York trip <laughs> that is not even anywhere we're in just, in actual talks, no, but there's so much thinking, coming in the fall that we were like, well, maybe maybe in the winter we'll see what happens. <laughs> now that we're not that excited about the Notebook in Chicago, I know. I'm so sorry to that cast, but like I'm I'm not interested anymore. Um, now we're like focus on New York. Um, <laughs> so that's that. Um, yeah. The, so let's let's talk about like let's say these four musicals, right? Like, what do we think that they have in common besides all being children. based on movies and children? Because even Kinky Boots has children. Say, Only Bring It On doesn't have children, but they're no, playing but they're children. high school, so it's the yeah. same thing. So uh, there's like very youth focused. I think they all. Minus the Christmas story, because, like, I really can't speak to that. I literally know nothing about it. But I think they all have, like, a very nice message at the end of it, which is, like, acceptance. It, that's very true. That's very true. Like, be true to yourself. Do what you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, and you'll you'll succeed. Yeah. Like, literally all I, of them. I think so it's, true. like, interesting. And, like, yeah, like, I don't know. You've been talking about like found family, you know, mm-hmm. um, and bring it on. They find a family in these like cheer squads. And like Miss Honey and Matilda. Yeah, exactly. In Kinky Boots, the factory workers, it's a found family. And like and Lola and Charlie. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Because they're talking about their father's expectations of them, but they find family in each other. So uh, that's so true. Wow. Wow. Um, I, that, that just came to me. I didn't even think about this before. We're just rolling. We're rolling. Um, <laughs> Okay, but like I'd say, let's think about also these four musicals. What, what kind of influence have they had in the let's say like nine years since they premiered? That's a more loaded question. I wasn't ready. That for is that a more one. loaded question, but I don't know. We're we're talking. We're um, I th- I think again on the lines of acceptance. Like, look at what Bring It On did by having mm. a trans character in that cast, although years too late um Mm -hmm. but in 2013 i feel like the we're getting pronouns and playbills now this is something that Mm -hmm. like hasn't existed so i feel like that was maybe like a stepping stone there and then just like i don't know i feel like kinky boots is the most like be whoever you want to be show Mm -hmm. and i hope that those messages have stayed through towards like theater today i don't know so much about like matilda or a christmas story (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to think like even like a Tim Minchin, has he written something since for musicals? I'm not sure, but like um 
Lynn, obviously. Lynn, obviously. This, I feel like, Bring It On was a, almost a survival job between In the Heights and Hamilton. Like, a, a paid gig he took so, yeah. that he could, so that he could get paid while writing Hamilton. Like, I don't know if Lynn would have been like, you know what really needs to be made into a musical? That's my Bring passion project. Bring it on. <laughs> I don't really think he was doing that. But, no. you know, <laughs> that was a paid gig and that he was happy to take so that he could write Hamilton. Maybe this um, will inspire the Cindy Lauper jukebox musical. Yeah, you know, Cindy Lauper, I mean, uh, celebrities have written musicals before, obviously, but I do think Cindy Lauper being so successful at this has maybe inspired or uh, given more respect to singers coming in and writing musicals. And sometimes they're successful, aka like Sarah Bareilles. And sometimes yeah. you have someone like Brian Adams who <laughs> should should not wow. do this what again. A, what a dig at Brian Adams. Am I wrong? Okay, I was playing musical theater Hurdle the other day. Oh, it was it was pretty Welcome to Hollywood. It was Welcome to Hollywood. I was like, what, I was gonna what text you. This? I forgot. I like had okay. it written out, and then I forgot to text you. I was like, what is this? And it was Welcome to Hollywood from Pretty Woman. Um, I actually fail at musical theater hurdle much more than I fail at regular hurdle. Me too, so. but also, like, whoever's putting that together, I need to talk to them because one of them recently was beautiful from Heather's, and the song no. doesn't start until five seconds in, and they left it. I also have a beef with that because I should have gotten it in, in one, one second. Because but as I soon had, as it hit the moment when Silence. I heard what it was, yeah. I was like, oh, I know what this is. I had to, like, check to see if my volume was... It was, like, I was not happy about that. Um, I had a hard time getting 3090 for some oh, reason. Really? I couldn't place it. I couldn't Well, it was it. the movie version, and as yeah. you know, I listened to that, like, every single day. So I knew yeah, I immediately. A, um, I got it, but I had a hard time placing it. To get back on track for a second, some other shows that, feature, that were featured in the 2013 67th annual Tony season, Cinderella, which I have seen many times on stage um santino fontana nominated laura osnes nominated but like really what we're here for is santino fontana singing every time yeah all the time um also Ron mcclure nominated for chaplin another parallel to this year's tony awards him being the wow. sole nomination so, for the show <laughs> you know that must be feel really good as rob mcclure <laughs> to be like these shows suck but, but they love I'm great me. they love me yeah. you know no it's everyone true. else sucks but but I'm great. And, and then I'm happy for him. Um, another show that we have not even talked about, winner, best revival, Pippin. This is a love for us. This is... We talked about it on our Stephen Schwartz episode. Um, Patina mm. Miller won another parallel. She's back on Broadway and Into the Woods right now. Um, mm. But that, that revival cast recording is so good. And I feel like, again, to talk about what we've been talking about, like perfect person to character. Oh my God, Patina is a leading player. Could you cast mm-hmm. a better... A better person. You know, talking about influences from this season forward, it, it had happened a bit before, but switching the gender of that character. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was a major gender switch. And now we're much more open to doing this and we do it much more often, especially for a character like the leading player mm-hmm. who whose gender does not define or has anything to do with what their character is doing. No. Um, and um, now we see it much more often and it has such like high impact on the plots. Also iconically Canadian icon, Andrea Martin won a Tony that year. She did. And she hung upside down and she sang a song. Yeah. So, you know, Pippin, Pippin was doing a lot of things. And then something that was like jarring to me um, at this Tony Awards was all of the previous shows. 
I guess, oh, this introducing each other. And when s- the Spider-Men came out and they really made Reeve Carney put on that costume to say two lines before he introduced Annie, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they made all of them put on that costume. Can I, I would like to talk about two flops from this season. Yeah. I would really like to shout them out. One in a revival that I saw, um, Jekyll and Hyde, starring Constantine Rulis and Deborah Cox. Wow. Uh, let's look for that playbill. I saw it here in Toronto. It was on tour. It did like a pre-Broadway tour. Yeah. Landing on Broadway. Um, There's a couple that was, songs I like from Jacqueline. That Hyde. was something. Yeah. No, the songs were good. Um, my, when we left, all I could think was Constantine Merlis's voice is crazy. Mm-hmm. Just well, we've just talked insane. about um, two American Idol people in, in this episode. David Cook David is starring Cook. as Charlie Bryce and Constantine Merlis. And the other original musical I would like to highlight, I have heard nothing from it, but it is important to talk about. It is Scandalous, The Life and Trials of Amy Semple McPherson, written by Kathy Lee Gifford. I, I'm just obsessed with its existence, yeah. to be honest. I, I don't know anything about it. Um, Actually, oh wait, Carolee Carmella was in it, no? Yes, she was nominated for Tony. Yes. Okay. That that was the only other thing I knew from that. And I don't even know why I knew Scandalous. that piece of information, but I did. The other thing, um, another show that was Scandalous nominated for Best Revival. Um, I literally know nothing about it, but uh, what is it? The Mystery of Edwin Drood? Is that what it's called? Yeah. The Mystery of Edwin Drood. I believe and it's I, uh, like a, a Charles Dickens novel. It's unfinished. So mm-hmm. there's no ending. So the ending of the musical changes every night because uh, Charles Dickens never wrote an ending. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, so I, the audience votes, from what I understand. I never saw it. But the audience would vote every night, and they would collect all the ballots, and they would count them. And oh. then different characters would sing different songs, and wow. different people would fall in love with people, and different murderers would be different murderers. This actually also had a great cast, like Andy Curl, Jesse Mueller, uh, Betsy Wolf, Stephanie um, J. Block. Stephanie J. Block, of course. Will Chase, like, which is why I'm bringing Will up Will Chase, because... <laughs> Will Chase was sitting next to Deborah Messing at the Tonys. Well, they were together in a at the time. With Deborah Messing at and the behind time. them Rivera, was Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and then Neil Patrick Harris, Laura Benanti, Andrew Rannells, and Megan Hilty do this like really fun TV number about how like mm-hmm. when you're not on stage, you go to TV, but TV's like a bad career. And they dig at Will Chase and how he wasn't on the second season of Smash. <laughs> and I loved it. it. That is actually a really memorable Tony performance to me. Um, one of my favorites. It makes me laugh every time they do like Neil just making like songs. the side comments behind. Like when <laughs> another person keeps coming out and Megan Hilty comes out, and he's like, "Your show's also canceled." Like it's just <laughs> Laura Benanti's like not once but twice. Her yes. show was canceled two times. Singing um, like "Ladies Who Lunch." It's great. Yeah. 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 No, it's really fun. It's really fun. And then that Tony Awards closed with, you know, that Lin Manuel Miranda written rap. Yeah. Um, to like kind of Empire State of Mind, Audrey McDonald singing the chorus. So much fun. I, no. We need to get Neil Patrick back at the Tonys. I agree. And Lynn he, writing the songs again. Yeah. Um, it's just like a different energy. I also, there was a lot of star power at that Tony Awards. Like Tom Hanks was nominated for a Tony that yes. year. Um, so there was a lot of celebs there. And sometimes it helps when the celebrities are there. Like Anna Kendrick and Cuba Gooding Jr. presenting. Like it's just, it's like... I don't know. Having star power helps sometimes. So I agree. Let's get back to the model of the 2013 Tonys. But other than that, I think it was a really great year. And it's so Mm -hmm. interesting to see that so many of these shows still have a life. Like, again, Kinky Boots is playing 
Off-Broadway coming up. Matilda still running on the West End. Bring It On had a life in the West End last year. A Christmas Story could come back any Christmas. So, like, all of these shows. I feel like those last two, like, Christmas Story and Bring It On, very licensable. We talked about totally. Christmas Story, but Bring It On for high schools. Oh, my God. Imagine so licensing that. Yeah. So it has it, a lot of female characters, which is also really good for licensable yes, shows. Yes, we love that. Um, so if you haven't listened to any of these shows, all of the cast recordings are available to stream. Highly recommend. Again, Kinky Boots is streaming on Broadway HD. So if you want to watch that, watch that. Also, A Christmas Story Live is streaming somewhere. I think it might be in the States. You know what we didn't talk about? The commercial for The Greatest Showman during A Christmas Story Live. You're right. We did not talk about that. Which we, we don't need to talk about, but it was important. And we also did not talk about that Royal Caribbean sponsored the Tony Awards that year. Yes, and Barrett Foa was doing like, he's like throwing a commercial interviews. Yeah, it was a throwback. It was a throwback. Yeah. Um, but I think that wraps up our way back then, 2013. Um, we do want to continue to do this. 2011 is on the roster. We just need to to we're listen to it lazy. for real. Um, yeah, we were pretty lazy for this one. But um, if there's a year that uh, you want to hear us talk about, um, let us know. And with that being said, it is now time for our obsession of the week. My obsession this week is pretty tangential, and we're going to go with it anyway. Okay. Um, there's a movie that came out recently that I have not seen yet, but I think they did a really fun thing with the soundtrack by having a lot of people cover this famous artist's songs. And... Is this Elvis? This is the movie Elvis. Should we just, t- like, say my thoughts on the movie Elvis? Yeah, okay, let me, let me do my obsession, then we can talk about your thoughts on the movie Elvis, which I have not seen yet. Okay. Um, but, um, so, because... It, this soundtrack has a lot of covers by famous artists doing these covers of all the songs. And I love Casey Musgrave and her cover is Can't Help Falling In Love um, on the on the soundtrack. And I think it's just a really, really beautiful cover. I love her voice and I think it just sounds great. And I think it was so, like the Baz Luhrmann of it all, how creative it was to, you know, I love the Doja Cat. Um, I was going to say, like I know you love dog. the Doja Cat. I love that. I think it's so good. I also, I mean, to talk about that, I also really, really love... Um, that they used the original artist from Hound Dog as the sample mm. and not Elvis as the sample. Like, yeah. referencing that he, you know, was so influenced by, like, black artists and black musicians. So I think that's really great. Um, but my obsession this week is Casey Musgrave Can't Help Falling in Love from the original motion picture soundtrack, Elvis. Take my hand Take my whole great great song and if we want to make it more broader related please recall cheyenne jackson starring in all shook up on broadway <laughs> and singing this song as well somehow that show keeps getting it always mentioned. comes back it always comes back to cheyenne jackson playing yeah. quote-unquote elvis, elvis on broadway yeah um i mean to also make it like somewhat broadway i don't know if it 100 percent counts but like austin butler who plays elvis was in sharpay's fabulous adventure and that's kind of a musical too you know how he got the role of Elvis because he starred in the Iceman Cometh on yes, Broadway and with Denzel, Denzel Washington. Washington. <laughs> and Denzel referred him to Baz being like, he's pretty good. I can tell you anything about this movie. I did a lot of research <laughs> on it. Um, um, if, if you had to, okay, let's just like, if you had to rate it out of five, what would you rate the movie Elvis? Two. Really? I, I did see a TikTok today being like, Austin Butler wasted three years of his life for, for this. Again, 
This is very unrelated. I think Austin Butler is the best part of that movie. He truly Mm -hmm. is. He's giving a really, really great performance, as he should be, because he literally now has adopted the Elvis voice and has lost his Mm -hmm. own voice. So he, like, became Elvis. As a lover of Baz Luhrmann, everyone on this podcast that listens to us know we love Baz Mm -hmm. Luhrmann. I wanted more Baz, and I feel like that's a weird thing to say because Baz projects are always, like, in your face. And then whoever, wow, to really make this full circle, Tom Hanks nominated for a Tony in 2013. Um, Tom Hanks ruined this movie. And, you know, America's favorite actor really just, I don't even know if it's his fault. The writing is just, like, not there. To use his manager as a framing device was not something I was interested in. Give me more performance. Mm. Yeah, like, why is it called Elvis if your main character is actually... So, like, if this was at the Oscars, hypothetically, which... Who's, like, lead actor? Yeah, who's lead? Is it, it would, Tom? It no, it's still it would still be Austin Butler, but it's Austin it's like Austin Butler through like visions of Tom Hanks' character, right. if that makes sense. Do you remember when Tom Hanks played Mr. Rogers and he was in like supporting actor at the Oscars because it was the framing device was from the man interviewing him? Oh and I never saw that movie. Character? I didn't see it either, but but That's could it be so that interesting. kind of deal? Maybe. I don't yeah. know. I I don't know the screen time. This movie is also pushing three hours, which is right. Right. Yeah. Um, but nothing perfor- should be. The performances three hours. are there. Like mm-hmm. Austin's doing a great job. He also looks so cute. But like everything else, is. I mean, Elvis a music messy. is great. Yeah, Elvis music is great. I wanted more Priscilla. I wanted more fashion. Is what I wanted. Well. Yeah, why Baz, give us the fashion. I know. Okay, Tara, what's your obsession this week? <laughs> My obsession this week, I feel like we've talked about miscast many times on the podcast, but did I know until the other day that the West End also does kind of a miscast and theirs is called Roles Will Never Play. Um there's a YouTube a, like account called Roles Will Never Play and I believe it's like snippets from the concerts that they've done. I know that they were performed on West End Live this year or certain people did. But my obsession this week, this is someone that I um, have previously used as an obsession of the week, and it's Alice Fern. And the last time I talked about her, she was singing Me and the Sky from Come From Away. Mm -hmm. And this time, the role she'll never play is from Catch Me If You Can. You know we love this song. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. She sounds so good, and I want her to come to New York. Like, I want her to have the opportunity to have an American audience listen to her voice. I'm tired of living on the stage A life that's only on the page The empty lies are in the past I've tried before, but here's the last Goodbye Yeah, goodbye full circle but catch me if you can was in the 2011 year we're supposed to do (laughs) Uh, we'll do it eventually well that was one that we were like we listened to it when we did our shaman and whitman episode but i feel like we need to know more about it than just like aaron tevay and um absolutely oh my god i'm norbert leo bud's star Mm -hmm. yeah so um there are many videos on um roles will never play but I love this song, and I feel like anyone that sings it, even a kid singing at the Jimmy Awards this year, and he nailed it. And um, Alice Fern is like really giving an amazing vocal performance. So 
yeah, that's my obsession this week. That's our thoughts on the 2013 Tony year. And our next episode, we are seeing Chicago in Stratford. Um, I have heard nothing but amazing things about this show from literally everybody. I, I always trust Stratford. I always Same. trust they're going to do a great do a great job. And it's going to be interesting to do a little bit of a deep dive on Chicago because I think, and again, I hope this proves me wrong, but I think that movie is better than the stage show. So I'm very interested to see a different take. So I've never seen like a professional production of Chicago. My brother right. actually starred as, what's the character's name? Which one? Billy Flynn? Yeah, Billy, my brother actually starred as Billy Flynn when he was in high school once. Yeah. Um, so that's the only production of Chicago I've ever seen besides the movie. So I'm curious to see it on stage. Yeah. The movie is like top tier, no. one of the best movie musicals ever created. I mean, best picture winner. Um, it's also, it, it uses like the framing device really, really well, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious to see like how much Fosse choreography we're going to see in Stratford. Because yeah. I think that's one of the biggest strengths of Chicago. And that also pulls it full circle to this um, episode because Dan Shamroy is in Stratford's uh, production playing, playing Billy, Billy Flynn. Flynn. So um, and I'm very excited. And person ever, Robert, Robert Marquez. Come on the pod. So. We really want to talk to you. Like, we really want to talk to you. So, Congratulations on your marriage. Yes. Um. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah, so that's something to look forward to in our next episode. Um, so if you want to listen to any of our other episodes while you're waiting, you can do that by subscribing to our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can also watch us here on YouTube. We would really appreciate it if you subscribed and left a rating and a review. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Off To Be By Podcast. That's with the number two. And let us know any other years you think we should deep dive into the best musical nominees. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.